If you didn't know, February is National Heart Health Month. And what better way to celebrate that with the omega-3 powerhouse that is seafood? With that said, I am pleased to welcome Linda Cornish and Chef Rick Moonen, who will be discussing health and the environmental benefits of seafood. Chef Moonen has graciously offered his time to fill in for his buddy, Chef Barton Seaver, who unfortunately was feeling under the weather and unable to join us. Chef Seaver, if you're listening, we hope you're feeling better. Chef and cookbook author Rick Moonen has been a leading advocate for sustainable seafood movement for the past 30 years, bringing national awareness to this subject near and dear to his heart. His flagship restaurant, Rick Moonen's RM Seafood at Mandalay Bay in Las Vegas, showcases his commitment to sustainability without foregoing culinary creativity and innovation. It has been critically acclaimed by local and national media alike. Chef Moonen has made a memorable appearance on Bravo's Top Chef Masters, where he raised thousands of dollars in national awareness for Three Square Food Bank in Las Vegas. He has been named Chef of the Year by Monterey Bay Aquarium, and USA Today named him one of Earth's power players as one of five leaders helping the health of our planet. He has also earned the title of Humanitarian of the Year by the American Culinary Federation. Last year, Chef Moonen was a semi-finalist for the James Beard Award for Best Chef in the West and has launched a highly anticipated signature lifeline, Blades by Rick. Linda Cornish is the Executive Director of Seafood Nutrition Partnership, which we will learn more about tonight. In this role, she has led the launch of a three-year public health campaign during National Seafood Month. She has also held positions with Arthur Anderson, Hitachi Business Consulting, Harris Business Entertainment, Greater Memphis Ch Chamber of Commerce, and the Bill of Rights Institute. She is co-founder and past chairman for the Memphis Farmers Market and has served on the board of Greening Greater Memphis and taught as an adjunct professor at the University of District Columbia School of Business and Public Administration. Last but not least, the Aquarium of the Pacific's president and CEO, Jerry Schubel, will moderate tonight's discussion. Much like our seals and sea lions, Jerry likes to get his omega-3s and sunny disposition from his love of sardines. It is my pleasure to welcome Linda Cornish, Rick Moonen, and Jerry Schubel. So, good evening, everyone, and good evening, Linda and Rick. Good to have all of you, you here. Our topic is uh, seafood, good for you and good for the environment, so I think the appropriate place to start is to establish what's the evidence that seafood really is good for our health. Linda, we're going to start with you. Well, thanks, Jerry, and thanks for the invitation tonight. You know, our dietary guidelines set by the USDA and Health and Human Services recommend that we eat at least eight ounces of seafood per week for good health, in particular for heart health and brain health. And also uh, included in that is that they recommend you take in, as part of eating seafood, about 250 milligrams of omega-3s, EPA, DHA per day. And, you know, we as a nonprofit at Seafood Nutrition Partnership is... Um, have a public health campaign because only 10% of Americans follow this dietary guideline. And um, on average, we're taking in, per the CDC, only 80 milligrams of omega-3s per day, which means if our brains have, a, a third of our brain's cell membranes are made of omega-3s, and our heart functions are supported by omega-3s, many Americans are missing out on the critical health benefits of this delicious lean protein. And so, uh, we're building a case for Americans to try and add 
a, a few more servings of seafood into their diet. So give us an idea first. What, what would eight ounces be, roughly? Um, you know, that's about two servings. So, you know, four ounces is a, about a deck of cards. And so you can have a serving of salmon or shrimp, sardines. Uh, you know, so there's hundreds of varieties of seafood to choose from. And that's the beauty about seafood is you can have a taste adventure and have something different at each seafood meal. So, Rick, being from Las Vegas, you're familiar with decks of cards. I sure am. <laughs> but what would you add to what Linda has said about the health benefits? Well, I grew up in an environment where we ate seafood every Friday. And it was always... Uh, presented to myself, my brothers, my sisters as, um, as brain food. You know, I mean, it's, eat it, it's very good for your brain. And you found out later on in life that it's, it's good for every function of your body. You know, and um, I'd love to quote or, or bring up uh, something that Carl Safina um, said once, is that um, we are the ocean. Our bodies are an ocean wrapped in skin. You know, the ratio of water to the rest of the components of our, of our physical being is the same exact ratio of uh, the water to earth. So there, there's a strong connection. And if you believe in the paleo diet, that our bodies were designed to eat what our environment produce, uh, produces and, and, and presents to us, we eat far too little seafood. And, and that's probably one of the main reasons that we have uh, maladies today. And, and I'll share that, you know, omega-3s are more anti-inflammatory. And so it, it helps to... Um, reduce the inflammation that, that um, we may experience. And currently, with the typical American diet, we're taking in more omega-6s, and those are more um, pro-inflammatory. And that doesn't mean it's bad or good, it's the ratio. And so um, we should be aiming for a you know, one-to-one -one ratio, but because of our diets, we're taking in about 10 times more omega-6s than omega-3s. And so, um, hence, we have the inflammation crisis today. So if you look at omega-3s, so there are other ways to get omega-3 oils besides seafood. Um, some plants have, have omega-3 oils. Algae have omega-3 oils. And I could take a fish oil pill, couldn't I? What, what, why, yeah. why seafood? Well, I'll start. Because uh, so <laughs> it's we, delicious. It's delicious. <laughs> we recommend that you know, everyone eat a balanced diet and start with real food. And so it's important to uh, you know, eat the rainbow and make sure that you have um, great lean protein and, and vegetables and fruit. Um, and, but for seafood, if you're um, eating the fattier fish, then you're probably getting enough omega-3s. But if you're eating you know, lower omega-3 fish, we do recommend a supplement. Um, the plant-based omega-3s are a different type. They're uh, alpha-linolenic acid, and so they convert at a lower rate into omega-3s, EPA, DHA, at about 1% to 4%. So it does convert at some percentage to omega-3s, but it's at a low percentage. Not all omega-3s are created equal. I'm, right. I'm breaking down on summarizing. But um, omega-3s from the ocean are just um, much more readily digestible and readily available to a, a starving brain and body. We're, we're, our bodies are starving for it. And one of the reasons I, I foresee, people don't cook seafood at home. They eat seafood out. So how many times do you go out? So, and that's probably one of the problems of the two-card deck mm -hmm. um, you know, right. need for our body. So we take supplements. You know, and supplements aren't necessarily a bad thing, but you gotta be careful. You wanna see your um, omega-3 supplements refrigerated, I believe, and I also believe that you should see the source. It should say from Pollock. 
to say where it's coming from. And those are the higher quality ones to help keep your body um, uh, flushed with the, uh, with, the, with the good amount of omega-3s. But you can't beat a fresh piece of seafood. <laughs> so the scientific evidence really is pretty clear that eating seafood is good for our health in many, in many different ways, whether it's heart health or brain, brain health, and that throughout our lives we should eat more seafood. But not all seafood is created equal. Do you have advice on which ones are particularly good if we're interested in our health? We'll get to the health of the environment later. <laughs> but for human health, which are the ones that we should be eating more of? <laughs> Would you like uh, to start? Ones that are higher in fat. I think we both agree on that. Um, usually, and that colder water fish, salt water, cold water, usually are producing seafood that has a higher omega-3 content, lower on the food chain. That's why the bigger fish eat it. It's good for them. They grow. You know, follow the fish. What are they eating? So I, I try to tell people, let's eat bait. If we can eat bait, we're gonna, we'll eliminate a lot of our health issues. And it's the truth. But how do we make that cool and sexy? That is where the, 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 the bump in the road is. And also, it's extremely perishable. So as a business, you know, I'm a chef. Am I going to take a chance? I'm going to preach all day long to, to be more diverse on your diets. So let's break out of the, I eat four fish. It's salmon, this, this, and this. And that's about it. If it's not on the menu, I'll get the hamburger. You know, and that's normal um, you know, uh, mentality. So how do, how do we get you to step outside? Well, you have to lure them in a little bit, pun intended. You know, put a little crab meat with it. Oh, I'll eat that. It's got <laughs> crab meat on it. It's like you, know, you mix the rice in with your dog food, and I'll eat that stuff. Whatever, you know, it's, it's the truth is, is, is to make it more appealing. You know, seafood doesn't have that no one's hugging a fish. It's, they're, they're, they're not, they're, they smell funny and they're slimy. You know? And that's one of the things that you chefs have to do. What would you add, add to that in terms of which fish do you recommend? Um, you know, so if you're um, going for the omega-3 levels, uh, you know, salmon, black cod, um, you know, sardines, mm -hmm. uh, they have about, you know, more than 1,000 milligrams per serving of EPA, DHA. And, uh, but don't overlook some of the other, you know, seafood mussels have about 900 milligrams per serving, uh, Alaskan pollock, about 500 milligrams. And so, you know, uh, the, really the advice is to eat a variety of seafood so that you take in the great lean protein, vitamins and minerals that come from the diverse species. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I, th I think um, there's just so many things, you know, species to choose from. And uh, I do want to mention that, you know, that I think we all know that you've seen enough um, information in the media that omega-3s are good for you. It is backed by, um, you know, about 30,000 studies since the 1970s. So it's, it's one of the most um, studied uh, essential fatty acids because our bodies cannot produce them. And so we need to eat it from food. And so we encourage uh, consumption of good seafood. Do you, do you serve fresh sardines in what, either of your restaurants? I have, but here's the issue. It, they're extremely perishable. It's because, those, the, because anything that has low pH, high moisture content is, is, is more perishable, chicken, seafood in general. So the risk that I need to take if I'm gonna buy 10 pounds of beautiful sardines, I have to get rid of them. It's a game of hot potato, you gotta throw it out there. So um, what I'm doing now is I'm getting more and more into the, the, the sexy can. And, and you actually order, you, I can order a can of sardines in your restaurant? You can. You can order the can, a can of this Bella Portuguese filled with omega-3s. What's you know, your markup? 
<laughs> I tripled the price. What are you going to do? That's we, pretty much what you do. We were in Portugal a number of years ago, and some of the best fish we've ever had, fresh sardines grilled along the side of the road. No question. No question. Was, they were absolutely open a Greek restaurant in New York. I love, and, and when you'd see these things in, in you know, at the Fulton Fish Market, I, I could move them. Um, I, I would end up preserving them, though. I'd, I'd have to put them in vinegar and salt to preserve them to extend their life. You'd only have one service of those fresh fish, and then you'd have to do something with them right away. Not that great if you're in a business of selling things and making a profit. You know, it's great to have this warm and fuzzy idea of bringing all these things in, and but if you're going to end up feeding it to the, the help or throwing it in the garbage, it's not a good business model. So that's why I like the preserved idea. We can do this with caviar. If I come to your restaurant and order a can, do you open it for me? Or do I? I will personally open it. You personally <laughs> Here, I'll do it right now. <laughs> you know, um, so I, I think a lot of people don't eat seafood because uh, they tend to think that fresh is the only item they should buy at the fresh counter, but there's can great canned yeah. options, and um, most seafood is frozen at sea, so look in the frozen section. So these options are ready when you are. And, uh, I, you know, it's so funny you bring the can out. <laughs> I've been seeing the articles uh, in these top New York restaurants. They, you know, bring out eight cans, open it up for you, and charge you quite a bit of money. And they give you wonderful crackers. So I think you have a All the crackers <laughs> you can eat. <laughs> but let's not forget about, you know, supporting U.S. seafood. Yes, Just U.S. Right. local. You know, um, most of what is uh, caught in the U.S. is exported. Yep. You know, and um, there are companies that are doing a much better job with aquaculture. So let's not uh, rule out farming of fish. It's not the demon that it was. I, my voice, I was out there saying, don't eat farmed salmon for, for years, 10 years. I didn't have it on my menu. And then I started to notice that these co large companies were making investments and doing things better and answering the concerns one by one by one, and which there are many from chemical escapes, feed ratios, byproducts, everything that, that could possibly be ruining or, or being detrimental to both the environment as well as the product and of course in the end consumer is now making a drastic shift. And this is great news as we go forward from seven to nine billion when we have food security issue uh, questions. Well, we'll come back to Oh, to I'm sorry, I'm jumping the gun. I get excited. <laughs> but, so yeah, in general, eat a diversity of, of seafood. Yes. Mm -hmm. Those that are lower, uh, the herbivorous fish, um, that eat plants, mm -hmm. sardines, and, and anchovies, and so on, are good, as are salmon mm -hmm. and mussels. Um, so eating a variety of fish mm -hmm. and picking some of them that are, we know are high in omega-3s, that's good. Does the way we prepare the seafood affect the health quality of it, and I, when I grew up in Michigan, mm -hmm. my brother and I used to catch perch mm -hmm. in Lake Huron. We'd mm -hmm. take them home, and my mother would fry them in lard yep. and serve them to us. Yeah. Now, is that a good thing to do? That's a great thing to do. <laughs> I, I, I'd go to your house and have that in a heartbeat, <laughs> in a heartbeat. Get it? <laughs> Full of it. <laughs> no, that, that there's uh, you're eating you're, the health benefits of eating a piece of walleye pike. Uh, fried in lard, they're so much better for you than eating a, a processed piece of uh, food from the center of the supermarket. It, but if, if you can um, you know, try healthier preparations, uh, frying it does degrade the omega-3s. And so if you care about the omega-3 level, um, you know, try broiling, um, steaming, 
uh, tossing it in pasta. So yeah, there's, there's lots of different ways. And I, I think pick one that works for you. One of the most popular ones is um, making little foil packets, putting a piece of beautiful fish um, or shrimp or your favorite seafood um, above some vegetables, drizzle a little olive oil. I'm not the chef here, I should let you talk. But, <laughs> I'm you taking know. notes, what are you talking about? <laughs> so you, <laughs> you put it in the oven, go about 400 for 10, 15 minutes, it's beautiful. You look like yeah. Chef Moonen. I can teach you how to yeah. cook fish to look like a genius, trust me. You can salt crust them, you can broil them. <laughs> I was, um, one of the easiest ways to cook fish at home is to get a cast iron uh, the griddle, the kind you'd cook pancakes on, the flat ones, and put them on the higher level of your, of your uh, oven and, and where the broiler is. Turn your broiler on for 10, 15 minutes while you're preparing your fish to get the cast iron hot. So now you've got heat on top, heat on bottom. So now you're almost mirroring the amount of, of, of uh, heat uh, concentration you might get in a, in a commercial environment. Just put a little oil, salt, pepper, some seasoning on your fish and slide them onto that griddle. And within three minutes, the top and the bottom are cooking simultaneously. You take it off with a spatula and you're a genius. And, it's, and, it's, and, and you're preserving the natural flavors of the seafood. You're, I don't believe, and this is what was going through my mind as we're having a discussion, does heat um, detrimentally affect omega-3s? Does it? It know? depends on the level of heat. So at a higher heat level, just a little bit. It's... Um, so right. don't overcook your fish. Yeah, okay, don't overcook the fish. Well, we got that. So, and you know, and fish is not that difficult. It's so fast and so easy to cook at home. I will bring home seafood a couple times a week for my wife and myself. I'll cook the seafood, but I'll cook enough for two days. So you eat some tonight, and the next day you can make it into a salad. If you get into that habit, it's actually more convenient than chicken and beef and everything else that we're really comfortable and we're experts at. It's not hard to become a seafood expert. You just have to be willing to do it. And, and if it's price that you're worried about, it's worth every penny of it and more. I, I would say that I, I think, you know, as we're all trying to figure out what to eat and be the healthiest in our diet, um, you know, we're trying to follow the dietary guidelines to shift away from red meat and take in more lean protein. And so we've all arrived at seafood as that option. It is complex, but it's worth it. It's worth it for our health, for our environment. And, um, you know, I really would recommend that you get to know your fishmonger at your retailer. They follow best practices and, you know, just got to have a conversation with them about, you know, their sustainability practices and, and where the seafood came from. Mm -hmm. Since more than 90% of the seafood that's consumed in the U.S. is imported, most from Asia, yeah. and more than half of that now is farm-raised, and you started to talk about aquaculture. A lot of people think that farm-raised seafood, A, doesn't taste good, and it's probably not as healthful. Comment on that, either one of you. I disagree with the part of it not being as healthful. So I, don't, I, don't, I don't know where that, 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 that statistic comes from. I um, find that U.S. farm-raised is probably... Yeah, but most of it's not U.S. farm-raised, I assume. Okay, talk about imported. Well, I, I would say that, you know, um, for most of us, we've probably eaten farm seafood and, uh, you know, didn't, didn't really think about uh, it being farm because there's such great options now. Um, you know, aquaculture or farm, farming fish has been, an, you know, in practice for um, thousands of years, but it became commercially viable and um, growing about 30 years ago. So at the beginning, I think there were some poor practices, but now you know, there's um, best aquaculture practices that are being um, you know, 
adopted by a number of companies. And so really it, it's come a long way and I would love for us to be part of that movement to accept farm fish because it is half the world's production yeah. now. Yeah, I think you have to um, do enough research to get wrap your arms around and be comfortable with companies and brands that are doing it right. Such as, like, I'm, I'm a brand ambassador for a company, a brand called True North. <clears throat> this is a company that for a full year I investigated their practices. I, I, was, I needed to speak with the owner of the company, Glenn Cook. And after I spoke with them and found out the integrity of this company is exactly where I believe most companies should follow as a prototypical um, uh, practice for, for raising fish in, in open net pens, um, I, I became a brand ambassador for them. And, okay, so, oh, you're, you're paid, you're going to say that. No, I do this because this is, this is what I believed my entire career. And there are companies that if we celebrate and allow that to be a success, other companies will follow. And that's how you find a large-scale um, solution. And, and do you serve farm-raised seafood in your restaurants? I do. And do you advertise on the, the menu? North salmon is on my menu um, 365 days of the year. You know, when the, and when there's um, you know wild salmon runs, I'm serving wild salmon as well. Um, you know, I I, I want to support the wild fisheries as much as I can, but I prefer to do that in, in in a diverse way. In other words, I'm bringing I'm introducing species that aren't necessarily the top ten list. You know, and and then um, I, I I buy farm raised um, um, Dorad. Um, bronzino, and, um, and and salmon, of course, which is the number one selling fin fish in the world, so I obviously do well. And if we're going to eat more seafood, the way we're, the recommendation mm -hmm. is, it's almost certainly going to come from aquaculture because right. wild capture fisheries have been flat for 20 or 30 years. Mm -hmm. We could increase those some with better wild catch management, but probably not more than 10 or 15 percent. And so if the if the consumption is going to go up, it's going to come from America. My, my concern is aquaculture is not the same everywhere. You know, just, right. you know, so there are, you really need to know where your fish is coming from. Find out where your fish is coming from. Yeah, I, I would say, you know, to uh, feed the world's population, you know, it's predicted that our population will grow to 9 to 10 billion by 2050. Mm -hmm. And in order to do that sustainably, uh, farmed fish has to be an equation. And, you know, the, the interesting thing is that the U.S. has developed wonderful technologies for aquaculture, but our um, current regulatory process doesn't allow the development of uh, mariculture or, you know, aquaculture here on open ocean as much. And so other countries have taken this technology and have really been successful at it, and they're able to feed their countries uh, with great, sustainable seafood. And so for our food security, we definitely need to promote um, open ocean and, and land-based aquaculture. Are you optimistic that the United States uh, is going to get religion and begin to permit some offshore aquaculture operations, particularly finfish? We've, we've got a, a, fin, a shellfish operation right off California here, but what about finfish? Um, I, I believe so. It may not happen for four years, but it will happen. I, I think, uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, I, I think um, that these, these conversations that we're having are important because I don't think most people understand the difficulties that many companies are trying to do in terms of establishing aquaculture companies. And sometimes the permitting process takes 10, 20 years, and we don't have time 
for that. And so, you know, recently NOAA and um, the Gulf states opened up the waters for some aquaculture. So it's starting to get better. But I think um, we need to have a louder voice. Yes, that, that hasn't been very enthusiastically received. But one of, <laughs> one of the problems is, of course, as we all know, there's no federal agency that has the lead on the permitting for an aquaculture operation in federal waters. And uh, NOAA should have that lead, yeah. but they don't. And we're hoping that they will. But if, to come back to the, the population growth in 2050, so the population will go from the 7.5 billion today to 9.5 or 10 billion. Right now, the world ocean, it, it produces 16% of the protein that we eat, but only 2% of the total food based on a caloric value. 2% from the ocean that covers 71% of the earth. It, it doesn't make sense. <clears throat> no, it doesn't make sense. We don't, we don't have enough land to continue to grow the land base, we, uh, animals, and, and so we, we do need to look at our oceans. We, we do not have enough land and we don't have enough water. There's, Go ahead. There's plenty of water. No, there's, not fresh water. There's plenty of biomass in our oceans. Yes, there there's is. plenty of biomass, yeah. but it doesn't make it to our dinner tables. It's right. bycatching, right. it's thrown out, it's not, gonna, it's not marketable. It's perfectly good fish protein. And so there's, therein lies the gap of, 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 of question that needs to be somehow satisfied is more diversity because the biomass is there. And when you start eating this fish, this one gets a chance to recover. And then you go back, so it's Monday, eat this, Tuesday, eat this, Wednesday, eat that. But it's, 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 a, it's a great concept and you can nod your head and you can say that's fantastic. I heard it on stage, you know, last February. How do we do it? We're still working on how we can make it more attractive yeah. from, a, from a culinary program to a business model, to a, an environmental success story. And part of it, I think, it has to be, to put it in the context of, of, of your total food supply. Now, people don't like to vilify agriculture because we all depend upon agriculture. But I think you have to compare and contrast the environmental impacts of agriculture yeah. versus aquaculture. And with um, livestock are among the worst. There's all your fresh water. Have, have either of you had a, a quarter pound hamburger within the last month? No. Oh. <laughs> Come on, best up. Okay, I did. <laughs> well, in and out is so tasty. <laughs> well, every, every quarter pounder takes 500 gallons of water. Yeah. That's a lot of water. That's, that's not sustainable. And water, fresh water, is one of the, the, that will be one of our emerging environmental crises within the next two or three decades. And in some areas it already, it already is. Yeah, I, I think, you know, one, in, you know, in the U.S. we eat about 2,000 pounds of food per year. So, you know, one of the first things is to look at the quality of food we're eating and um, perhaps eating a little bit less but higher quality. Um, and definitely choosing just a healthier uh, com composition or diet. That, that'll help us with our health and our environment. Right. If, if, so th this says, though, good for you and good for the environment. All right. Describe some ways that seafood, whether it's wild capture or aquaculture, that it's good for the environment. Less energy necessary for fish to grow, so they're more efficient. They're more efficient than cattle or pork or oh. even chickens. Right. Yeah. And, you don't, you don't waste any fresh water on them. They got all the water they can, they can uh, swim through. 
Yeah, and, and um, you know, I, I think in the past there's been concerns about feed ratios for aquaculture, right. and um, there's been just improvements in terms of the ratio of fish meal to um, right. feeding, growing a pound of fish. Uh, there's also very exciting technologies coming up that will uh, produce, um, you know, algal-based fish feed, and so I, I think. Um, it's just an exciting field, and uh, I would, uh, you know, relate to aquaculture something to our, you know, dot-com era for the water. It really is a great frontier. What, what about, though, the, the feed? To what extent does the feed affect the taste of the fish that we eat? Well, there you go. That's it a great question. It, yeah. It's going to affect the taste of the fish that we eat. By, I, I agree directly. Um, and, and it's going to take marine protein in order to uh, mirror the natural flavor of a wild fish because that's what they eat in the wild. And, but you also need to see what else they eat. I mean, there's kelp and there's, other, and there's other integration of species. And the more that we study what happens in nature and incorporate that into the aquaculture um, uh, model, you get more of that IMTA, integrated multitrophic aquaculture, where you're taking a fish farm that has a a large production of a byproduct, effluent, that's filled with, uh, with, uh, with uh, nutrition, and then, and then you, you plant kelp forest next to that, and the kelp helps to um, um, you know, utilize the, the, the excess of nutrients, and then mussels next to that, and the three of them together create, inter integrate into this multi-level, different trophic uh, levels of, this, of the food chain, working in harmony with, it, with each other. And it's not just the, the different levels within the food chain. It's also different levels within the water column. So you're right. exploiting the vertical dimension of the ocean, which, much, which has much greater possibilities than the third dimension on land. Right. I, I think, I think um, you know, um, traditionally the open ocean aquaculture, I think people think it's just right there. You can see the large pens. But there are companies that have deep oceans. So there's different places mm -hmm. in the water levels that can grow aquaculture. So what, can, what should we all be doing to promote having people eat more seafood? Because it, it, as you were saying earlier, when we were over dinner, we were talking about uh, a lot of the people in this country are malnourished, uh, they're overweight or obese, mm -hmm. and it's, a large, it's not only that they're eating too much, but they're eating the wrong kinds of things. And seafood should be an important part of the diet. What can we do to help promote that? Um, it is. I mean, most of our work at Seafood Nutrition Partnership is in uh, more landlocked states. And so we're trying to encourage uh, just people to eat a couple more seafood meals a week. And we do get a lot of pushback because, you know, they might not have grown up with eating fish or um, their families didn't know how to prepare it. And, and so I think... Um, Building that awareness has been the first step about how important it is to try adding fish and shellfish into a diet. And then, you know, the most important thing is showing how seafood tastes and then showing a couple of simple preparations. And you might not get the, you know, that person who doesn't like seafood to like it the first time, um, but, but maybe um, for us, we try to pick foods that are uh, similar to what they like. Perhaps they do like a burger. You know, we recommend a fish mm. burger. 
they might like. Fish you know, tacos are no, good. I, tacos. I, I laughed because when I was doing, I, I, I came out with a cookbook. It was called, it's called Fish Without a Doubt. And I'm working with a co-author, and he's like, no, Rick, you can't just go fancy, fancy, fancy on everything. You're going to intimidate the heck out of everyone. I'm like, okay, I understand that. We're trying to get um, more U.S. embracement of cooking seafood at home. Um, and so I had to do more hamburgers, fish burgers. And I was like, ah, fish burgers, <laughs> And I had to like start working with tilapia and catfish, put them under the broiler and try them out to see how the protein would react so that I could see what I could do with it. And because and, and, I really didn't serve catfish or tilapia on my menus in three-star New York Times restaurants in the middle of Manhattan, just didn't. And uh, I was really surprised at the quality and, and the texture of it, almost meaty, you know, catfish if you cook it. So I made, I was making a barbecue sauce the day that I was playing with this catfish and I ended up making this catfish sloppy joe. Mm. You know, because I figured, because I figured, you know, we ate sloppy Joe at home. It was delicious. I mean, you know, my seven kids in my family we were like, we we dance around the house sloppy Joe night. So um, sloppy Joes, and I thought, no, no big deal of it. And I, and I looked at it. I said, you know, this is probably going to sell this cookbook. I said this to Roy, and he laughed about it. I said, yeah. And so I had it on the menu at my restaurant, and I got Esquire magazine asked me to come up with my favorite sandwiches in the United States, and I threw that in there just for that. I throw my own thing. You know, a sandwich down, you know, a falafel in New York down here, a Cuban sandwich in Key West in mine. And they picked my sandwich, the Sloppy Joe, and they put it in Esquire magazine. And Gail, with, uh, you know, Best Friends Forever with, uh, with, mm -hmm. with uh, Oprah, picked it up and said, we got to put this on our, on our show. And I ended up cooking this catfish Sloppy Joe for Oprah Winfrey. And it just went <laughs> crazy. And it went crazy. And that's how you get things popularized. But, I mean, it's not my proudest moment. I mean, that barbecue sauce was, you know, caramelized sugar with vinegar in there and ketchup and stuff, you know what I mean? I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> you know, but there's a way, yeah. there's the bridge, you know, yeah. and now I can do the same barbecue sauce, but instead of adding sugar, I can use reduced apple, uh, apple cider, which has the acidity and the sweetness, and it's perfect, you don't have to use processed, but anyway, that's, I'm, I'm, I'm taking up way more time, but I'm giving, <laughs> I'm giving you a little bit of a recipe, too, by the way, so you can the note. And, um, and, that, and so those hamburgers and the Sloppy Joe and the simplified things where they, they gain the most traction. Yeah. So yeah. that's really the direction. And we were talking at dinner. I'm like, make Italian food. People love Italian yeah. food. If you're going to make uh, seafood, make a cioppino. Oh, no, you're, you said the secret was clam juice. Oh, clam juice is the secret. Anything with clam juice. <laughs> uh, you take a clam and you steam it open, the juice that comes out of it is pure umami. It creates this instantaneous party on your palate. It really does. You add clam juice to just about anything, a sauce that you're making, a fish sauce or anything. My secret is clam juice, extra virgin olive oil, and Meyer lemons. Without those three ingredients, I just, you know, I wouldn't be on this stage probably. <laughs> <laughs> so I understand from what you had said over dinner, it's your, is your official policy at your restaurant that if a customer doesn't like it, you, you oh, I'll, I'll tell them that I'll buy it. You'll buy it. You'll buy it. If, well, if, I tell my, if I'm bringing on a seafood species, I, okay, and I no. can go forever about buffalo fish. It's, I'm it's, thinking it's, of chartering a bus to yeah, come. Yeah, we're all going. That's so funny. We're we, closed that night. We could, get, <laughs> we could get 40 people who would come and not like it. Uh, I don't have much. Uh, I don't have a problem with that. I really don't have people that are that, that say, you know what? It's really, I don't like this at all, and I, I want you to, I'm going to take Well, we might like it. it. We just wouldn't admit it. <laughs> <laughs> Plate's clean, and you didn't like it. I got it. You know, uh, we, were, we were talking at dinner that uh, a lot of times it's the parents that have the, yeah. you know, objection to seafood, and they think that their kids might not like it. But, you know, through our work, we've seen 
that um, kids love mussels if they, you show them how you know, delicious it is. And, and then mm -hmm. uh, I think you were saying that if you got them cooking in the process with you, making salmon cakes, yep. you know, they might just like it you know, just because they actually made it themselves. So you know, that's another way to help yep. people try it. So let, the ocean is the single most important element of Earth's life support system. Absolutely. So we depend upon the ocean for clean air, clean water, rich productive soils. All of these, these things are driven to a large extent by what happens with the ocean, food, fiber. And we have to be very careful. And we know that we've overfished two-thirds of all wild stocks. We've degraded the ocean. Much of the ocean along the coast has been degraded because of agriculture mm -hmm. and uh, overfishing, uh, bottom, destructive bottom trawling. How do we get the right balance or a better balance going forward? You know, I, I think, um, you know, building awareness for the need to um, grow <coughs> and um, catch sustainable seafood is important. And um, I, I think we were talking at dinner that we do need to celebrate the successes. Yeah. And, and so, um, you know, in the 1980s, the West Coast fisheries really were in poor shape, but now they're back. And I, I don't think many people know that the you know, species that are available now, like rockfish or lingcod. And so I, I think um, having the conversation about the need to support sustainable seafood, work with your retailers to buy sustainable seafood, and um, you know, work with, work with the uh, fishermen, because I think if you just turn away from not eating fish at all, then you're not rewarding the people that are trying very hard to protect the fisheries and bring them back. And I think most of all of the U.S. wild capture fisheries now are well managed. There are still a few that are they're, they're well managed, but they're not back up to the levels, levels they should be. And, and so it's not the U.S. We're going to have to be much more involved in international fisheries, fisheries, illegal, unreported, unregulated fisheries. Right. But we're also going to have to become, become a player in aquaculture. When the U.N. did the study to determine which nation in the world had the greatest potential to be a leader in offshore aquaculture, the U.S. won hands down because we have the largest exclusive economic zone of any nation in the world. Right. And we can't get any movement though. 